Episode 77 Winston turned back to the chessboard and picked up the white knight again. Almost in the same instant, it dropped on the board with a clatter. He had started as though a pin had been stuck into him. A shrill trumpet call had pierced the air. It was the bulletin. Victory! It always meant victory when a trumpet call preceded the news. A sort of electric thrill ran through the cafe. Even the waiters had started pricking up their ears. The trumpet call had let loose an enormous volume of noise. Already, an excited voice was gabbling from the telescreen, but even as it started, it was almost drowned by a roar of cheering from outside. The news had run round the streets like magic. He could just hear enough of what was issuing from the telescreen to realize that it had all happened as he had foreseen. A vast seaborne armada had secretly assembled a sudden blow in the enemy's rear, the white arrow tearing across the tail of the black. Fragments of triumphant phrases pushed themselves through the din. Vast strategic maneuver, perfect coordination, utter rout, half a million prisoners, complete demoralization, control of the whole of Africa. Bring the war within measurable distance of its end. Victory! Greatest victory in human history! Victory! 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 Under the table, Winston's feet made convulsive movements. He had not stirred from his seat, but in his mind he was running, swiftly running. He was with the crowds outside, cheering himself deaf. He looked up again at the portrait of Big Brother, the colossus that bestrode the world, the rock against which the hordes of Asia dashed themselves in vain. He thought how ten minutes ago, yes, only ten minutes, there had still been equivocation in his heart as he wondered whether the news from the front would be of victory or of defeat. It was more than a Eurasian army that had perished. Much had changed in him since that first day in the Ministry of Love. But the final, indispensable, healing change had never happened until this moment. The voice from the telescreen was still pouring forth its tale of prisoners and booty and slaughter, but the shouting outside had died down a little. The waiters were turning back to their work. One of them approached with the gin bottle. Winston, sitting in a blissful dream, paid no attention as his glass was filled up. He was not running or cheering any longer. He was back in the ministry of love, with everything forgiven, his soul white as snow. He was in the public dock, confessing everything implicating everybody. He was walking down the white-tiled corridor with the feeling of walking in sunlight and an armed guard at his back. The long-hoped-for bullet was entering his brain. He gazed up at the enormous face. Forty years 
it had taken him to learn what kind of smile was hidden beneath the dark mustache. Oh, cruel, needless misunderstanding. Oh, stubborn, self-willed exile from the loving breast. Two gin-scented tears trickled down the sides of his nose. But it was all right. Everything was all right. The struggle was finished. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Big Brother. The end. The book goes on in a rather extensive appendix outlining the principles of Newspeak. I will read to you only selected excerpts of momentous import. Newspeak was the official language of Oceania and had been devised to meet the ideological needs of INGSOC, or English Socialism. In the year 1984, there was not as yet anyone who used Newspeak as his sole means of communication, either in speech or writing. It was expected that Newspeak would finally supersede Oldspeak, or Standard English, as we should call it, by about the year 2050. Meanwhile, it gained ground steadily, all party members tending to use Newspeak words and grammatical constructions more and more in their everyday speech. The purpose of Newspeak was not only to provide a medium of expression for the worldview and mental habits proper to the devotees of Ingsoc, but to make all other modes of thought impossible. It was intended that when Newspeak had been adopted once and for all and Oldspeak forgotten, that a heretical thought, that is, a thought diverging from the principles of Ingsoc, should be literally unthinkable, at least so far as thought is dependent on words. Its vocabulary was so constructed as to give exact and often very subtle expression to every meaning that a party member could properly wish to express, while excluding all other meanings and also the possibility of arriving at them by indirect methods. This was done partly by the invention of new words, but chiefly by eliminating undesirable words and by stripping such words as remained of unorthodox meaning. To give an example, the word free still existed in Newspeak, but it could only be used in such statements as this dog is free from lice or this field is free from weeds. It could not be used in its old sense of politically free or intellectually free, since political and intellectual freedom no longer existed, even as concepts, and were therefore of necessity nameless. As we have already seen in the case of the word free, words which had once borne a heretical meaning were sometimes retained for the sake of convenience, but only with the undesirable meanings purged out of them. Countless other words, such as honor, justice, morality, internationalism, democracy, science, and religion, had simply ceased to exist. 
All words grouping themselves around the concepts of liberty and equality, for instance, were contained in the single word crime-think. While all words grouping themselves around the concepts of objectivity and rationalism were contained in the single word old-think. What was required in a party member was an outlook similar to that of the ancient Hebrew, who knew without knowing much else that all nations other than his own worshipped false gods. When old speak had once and for all been superseded, the last link with the past would have been severed. History had already been rewritten, but fragments of the literature of the past survived here and there, imperfectly censored, and so long as one retained knowledge of old speak, it was possible to read them. Pre-revolutionary literature could only be subjected to ideological translation, that is, alteration in sense as well as language. Take, for example, the well-known passage from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights Governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of those ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. It would have been quite impossible to render this into new speak while keeping to the sense of the original. The nearest one could come to doing so would be to swallow the whole passage up in the single word, crime-think. <laughs>